Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. Now, which is great. And um, I think, I don't know, you think I'd know by now, but anyway. Um, okay. So I'm getting all these. Oh, God. So, yeah, you're now live. There you go. So, um, yeah, tummy tight questions and breast implant quite tight questions. Um, and what else? Yeah, that's it. So, uh, I'm gonna fight, I'm gonna get this party started uh, with this one. After dressings, stroke stitches have been removed. What's the best cream stroke silicone gel to use for the scar? Is Mepor tape sufficient? Oof. Right, okay. Um, well, pers I mean, I am, um, I don't use Mepor, I use Micropore, it's a slightly different uh, dressing. Um, so um everyone's different in terms of post-op regimes after surgery um Mipor is a dressing that's usually on for for a short period of time like a week or so um and then is removed uh, uh and usually after most operations you don't need a dressing after that time now some surgeons uh, do uh, get you to support the wound with microphore tape. I, I'm, I'm assuming that's what you mean, microphore tape rather than microphore tape. And, my, um, and I do like microphore tape, but I don't get people to support the wound for a prolonged period of time post-optively just because it can be a bit of a nuisance in terms of washing and things like that and reapplying it. I'm not sure how the evidence is in terms of how much good it does, um, but I don't think there's anything bad about it. But I don't get people to use um, tape after having their um, dressings removed. I do get people to massage with cream, but I normally wait for about six weeks. So my personal post-op regime for pretty much anything that I do, whether it be a mole removal or a tummy tuck or a breast augmentation or a breast reduction, is dressings for a week, then the dressing comes off, and then no dressing after that first week, unless there's a problem with the healing. But assuming it's all healed, it's usually healed pretty well by a week. And it is... Um, and then I normally leave it until six weeks. And at six weeks, we get you massaging with cream. And I don't particularly recommend a cream. There are creams we have called, um, Vicky has creams at the clinic, Q, Q10, I think it's called. Um, but we, we can give you creams from the clinic, but really any kind of moisturizer and pressure on the wound. But I wait until six weeks post-op because you don't want it too soon because you don't want to put tension on the wound. In terms of silicone gel, that is marketed as a scar reduction um, uh, gel. And, uh, but uh, for me, I don't particularly recommend it for people with normal scars. So I don't recommend using silicone gel because it's really only for people who have problem scars in terms of hypertrophic scars, red lumpy scars. Then the silicone gel might be worth applying. But you can't do silicone gel and massage because if you massage it with the silicone gel on, you'll rub the silicone gel off. So you do either or, and for a normal scar, I recommend people massage with whatever, with a moisturizer, and it's more the pressure than the actual cream that you use. And um, that's me. Some people are different. So don't, uh, if someone told you to use, again, if you're gonna use tape, you can't really massage because of the tape, but the tape might be in that six week period. 
um, within the seat. The tape might be in the early period. And, and personally, I don't get people to use the tape. Not that there's anything wrong with it. I'm a big fan of the tape. I just don't use it for a prolonged period post-operatively because I think it can affect, um, you know, be a bit of a nuisance in terms of washing and things. But certainly not uh, not a bad thing to, to do at all. Uh, whether it's a good thing to do is up for debate, but certainly not a bad thing to do. Um, so that's my thing. I use just moisturise and massage at six weeks, and I don't use silicone gel unless it's a, a problem scar. And then depending on the location, whether we're going to use the gel or the um, silicone sheets, uh, depending on the location, broadly speaking, the sheets are better. But certain areas like faces and, no, and um, ears and things, you can't use a sheet because it's going to fall off. So that's where the gel comes in. Um, by the way, I've got the um, on Facebook. I'm not sure if it shows on YouTube or not. I've got the snake going around, and the snake um, gets longer for every comment. So for everybody on Facebook, I know, I know, there's not a huge amount of people on Facebook, but anyway, I'm gonna put a comment there, and uh, you know, can uh, make the snake get longer, as it were. Um, are lymphatic drainage massages important after a tummy tuck? Um, I, uh, well, we don't routinely uh, do lymphatic massages, but it is something we are looking into. Whether they're important or not, it's often a self-selected group of people you talk to about that, and it's people who do lymphatic um, massages who tell you how good it is. And I'm like, it's kind of like a self-selected group. So I'm not sure whether there's evidence to say that, you know, it's, it's going to give you a, um, a demonstrably better result. But I like the fact or that you're having input i like the fact that um i talk often about kind of laying hands you know looking after you feeling cared for and i like that aspect of lymphatic massages so i do like the concept of lymphatic massages and really something we're looking into uh, are they important i don't know there's certainly no consensus and there's certainly i would say only the minority of people would routinely do a, uh, or uh, um, offer lymphatic massages. So if they were that good, I think we'd all be offering them. So I'm not sure how um, they, how much of a, a tangible difference they're going to make to the result. But I do like the, I do like the sound of them, and I do think it's something that we're, it's certainly something we're looking into. Um, but how important they are, I'm not sure. But I, I like I like I like what I see. Um, what you got? Hi, JJ. I'm a, I have a procedure booked with you in April. Five moles on the torso. Just wondering what determines whether the stitches will dissolve or whether they'll need to be removed. Yeah, and it is different when they're on the torso compared to when they're on the face. Because the face, uh, and I'll probably tell you this if I haven't told you this already, the face um, does scar well. So the torso doesn't scar quite so well. And the torso, the, the face scars well. The face got really good blood supply and the face heals well and scars well and um also there's a balance when we're doing mole removal there's a balance between um getting the wound healed which is obviously important and the cosmetic result of the scar which is obviously important and sometimes those two things can be at odds because if you want the wound to be make sure the wound's healed you're going to leave the stitches in for a longer period of time but if you're going to want to get a better scar you're going to want to perhaps get those stitches out sooner and one of the big one that we do a lot of stuff on the face and one of the important things in the face is obviously the cosmetic outcome of the scar 
And that combined with the fact that it heals very well because the face has got a good blood supply means that we will often use non-dissolvable sutures on the face, which will come out at five to seven days. So it's very common to use non-dissolvable sutures on the face because we know it's got a good blood supply. We know it's um, it's going to heal well. And also we don't want to get those little dots. We don't want to get those little dots on either side of the scar, those stitch marks. So we will use um, non-dissolvable sutures and we will take them out of five to seven days. I usually take them out of seven days um, because we know that that's going to give you the best scar possible. Get that suture material out as soon as possible. So on the face, it's very common to use non-dissolvable sutures. On the torso, on the body, it's a little bit different because if you just did some stitches on the torso and you took them out five to seven days, I would worry that that would open up. They might be under a little bit more tension and you would also worry that the wound wouldn't, has, it hasn't got quite as good a blood supply that the, the torso and you would worry that that wouldn't be long enough for the stitches. So we'd often leave the stitches longer on the torso, but as I say, if you leave kind of normal stitches longer, the normal stitches like the ones we put on the face for two weeks, say, or three weeks, then you're going to get those stitch marks, that classic appearance of the scar with the dots on either side. So we tend not to use, or I say we, I, um, tend not to use non-dissolvable sutures on the torso. I will use a dissolvable suture on the torso, which will then be buried underneath the skin so you won't see it. And it's buried underneath the skin so you don't get those stretch marks. Now, it does mean that stitch lasts longer because like the face one, we know it's out in a week. That's that that stitch will be in there for several weeks. And that means that the scar will be a bit more red than if we used a non-dissolvable suture. Uh, in the long term, it does fade, but it makes a slightly more sort of irritation around the scar, makes the scar a bit more red for a bit longer. Um, but it's kind of like the balance. So on the torso, I usually use um, a, um, a dissolvable suture because I know that's going to last longer but I bury it underneath the skin so you can't actually see it, so you don't have to have it removed. On the face, I would use a, a non-dissolvable suture because I want to know that's out in five to seven days because I want that suture material out of there so that gives less reaction around the scar and a better looking scar. And also I know I can confidently remove it at five to seven days and that wound will be strong enough to sort of take the strain. Great question. And I hope that has answered your question, Mia. And um, yeah, so you, you're, so the answer is you're going to have dissolvable sutures on your on your trunk, um, um, probably, and uh, as, as opposed to the um, non-dissolvable sutures you had on your face. Um, so yeah, good question. I like it. Uh, what else we got? When can you shower after a tummy tuck? Do you wait until all dressings are removed? Um, good question. And I don't know. I mean, you can shower with the dressings on, with the tummy tuck. You can. But it's just quite hard to get a seal. And because it's in the sort of crease, like in the lower abdomen, you worry about not getting a great seal. And... Um, it is once the wet dressings are all removed, which is after one week, the answer is yes, you can you can uh, shower uh, normally. The question is whether you can shower within that week. And on paper, yes, you can. Um, on paper, you can. But I'd like you only say be careful because you might get a bit of water going down the side and then you get the pad of the dressing wet and then it's sitting in a wet dressing, which isn't very nice. Then I would say you need to get the dressings changed. So you can, if you want to, and this weather 
you know, you, you might be okay with a week, but in the um, summer, you might say, crikey, I need to get in the shower. And I'd say, just go easy, go on your back, maybe get someone to help you, try not to get the dressings too wet. Um, on paper, they are supposed to be splash waterproof, although it is difficult to get a seal, especially around the pubic area, um, difficult to get a seal with the uh, with the dressings. So yes, you can shower, but just be a little bit careful is the uh, is the uh, message. What you got, Mia? Thank you. I've had moles removed by you on my face. I know you have. Uh, and back before a few years ago, they've all healed fantastically, and the scar on the back is really hard to see now. Oh, that's good, Mia. Yeah, no, I remember Mia. I know you you have, and uh, and I know they've they've gone really well. Uh, I was hoping they they'd be dissolvable as I'm travelling for Wales for it. Yes. Well, there you go, Mia. Good news. They will be dissolvable. Nice to see you again. I mean, when it was, it's going back a bit, isn't it? But uh, I do remember. Um, I do remember you, Mia, and I, and I know that you've had moles moves and I'm glad that they've all healed up well. Brilliant. Good to hear. Um, uh, what else have I got? When can you sleep on your slides? I have a tummy tuck, tummy tuck heavy here. Um, you know what? One of the problems with the tummy tuck is you're kind of bent double. Uh, immediately after the surgery and when you're in the hospital you've got buttons on your bed which make your bed all bend up um, and that's that's helpful for the physician but when you go home obviously you haven't got buttons on the bed which kind of sit up and all that sort of stuff so when you go home I often say to people to sleep on the side because you sleep in the fetal position so I normally say sleep on your side straight away after a tummy tuck um, is the answer you, you know day, day one um, sometimes people um, might want to sit sort of sitting up with lots of pillows if you can but that's quite a difficult uh, way to sleep so um so yeah i would say sleep on the side straight away sleep where you're comfortable i don't really give much advice in terms of positioning for sleeping something particularly hard breast implants people say when do i when can i stop sitting up and i'm like I don't, I don't tell you you have to sit up i think it's important to get a good night's sleep so sleep as uh, you know in whatever position you can and uh, to get to get comfortable would be the advice on that. Um, so, um, I had Polytech under muscle implants 275cc four months ago. They have migrated to my armpits and will need further surgery. If I have implants placed over the muscle, will this still prevent capsular contracture? My original was 295 cc, but was not available. Should I go to next size up? Um, so yes, this was a message on my on my blog. Um, so this isn't my patient. So you're saying if I have the implants placed over the muscle, will it still prevent capsular contracture? Now, I wouldn't have said to you having the implants under the muscle prevents capsular contracture because having the implants under the muscle does not prevent capsular contracture. It does delay the kind of delay the onset of capsular contracture because capsular contracture is uh, measured as to how much we can see or feel the edges of the implants. And by having that layer of muscle over the top of the implants, it means you can see or feel the edges of the implants later on. So the onset of capsular contracture is later when they're placed under the muscles. So if you were going to have the implants placed on top of the muscle, then yes, the uh, capsular contracture would be more obvious earlier. So that would be a negative point about having the implants placed on top of the muscle. Um, now you're saying your implants have migrated to your armpits 
And this, the, the problem is this is one of the risks of having the implants placed under the muscle. The muscle can hold the implants apart. They can push the implants wide. If you ever see a very wide cleavage and the, and the implants placed too laterally, that's often if they're under the muscle, they haven't released the muscle enough. So that's a negative of having them under the muscle. So there's a positive of having them under the muscle that gives an extra layer of cover and less light to feel them if they go hard. But there's also a negative in that they can be pushed out wide. So it's difficult to know what to do here. I mean, I'm not your surgeon. So this is just, if I was your surgeon, these are the sorts of things I'd be thinking about. Is that you might think, oh, they've been pushed out wide by the muscle. So let's take them out from under the muscle and put them on top of the muscle. But not only is the capsule contracture going to come more quickly, there's more risk of seeing, feeling the edges of the implants getting rippling. Because you've got to ask yourself, why were they placed under the muscle in the first place? Presumably, you didn't have much cover. There was a reason for placing them under the muscle in the first place. So that sort of would worry me that you'd be potentially curing one pro problem, but creating other problems. So that's a difficult decision in terms of whether to have the implants change, the plane of the implants changed, because there's a reason for choosing the plane in the first place. And whilst you might have a problem from uh, choosing that plane, if you then change plane, you might have a different problem because there are different problems when you place them under than when you place them over. The pros and cons of both. It's not like one's better. So that's a difficult one that uh, to know what to do because I, I don't think there's any easy answers and it just needs a discussion basically um, with your surgeon as to where weighing up the risks because the problem is you put them on top of the muscle, great that they're no longer you know, too far to the side, but if you get rippling, can feel the edge, see the edge, and as you, as you said, the capsule contracture issue, that's something to, to weigh up. And as I said, there's no answers. It's just trying to weigh up what's right and trying to come up with the best option for you. Um, my original was, was 295 or 275, uh, was not available. Should I go to the next size up? If you've only had implants placed four months ago and you're having them changed, it doesn't matter what size you choose. Um, you can go one up if you want to be a bit bigger. You can go one down if you want to be a bit smaller. Four months, it doesn't really matter too much. If they've only been in a short period of time. If they've been in a longer period of time and it stretched the skin, you've got to be a bit careful about significantly downsizing. And particularly if you are going to have a capsulectomy. So again, that's for people who've had implants for a long time. At four months, you wouldn't need a capsulectomy. But people who have had implants placed a long time who are having them changed, who need a capsulectomy, have that scar tissue removed. When they're having them change, it's usually advisable to go a little bit bigger in order to get a similar result. Um, but that's for people who've had implants a long time who are having a capsulectomy. If you've only had them in for four months, I don't think it matters what you do, um, whether you go the next size up or the next size down. I would say to you, what do you think of the size? Do you want a little bit bigger or a little bit smaller if the same size is not available? So I think that's... Uh, uh, that doesn't matter if you're changing implants because you've only been in a very short period of time. Um, so that's kind of uh, patient choice. It's your choice. So um, those are my preordained questions. My snake is my snake is still at three, and it's not. None of those circles are filled, but um, Instagram is always better. Respectfully, just Facebook and, and YouTube. Instagram is always. Um, um good treating me well but in but facebook that's treating me well historically um if you have any questions ask away i'm going to be here next week am i i think probably almost certainly uh i don't know why i say that here every tuesday let's be honest with ourselves and uh so please please ask away and i will answer them next week um 
But for now, I'm going to um, go and uh, watch telly. So I suggest you do likewise, and um, I bid you good night. Stop the stream. Have a question not covered in today's show? Then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag AskJJ. We'd love to hear from you.